Does the Turkey Day rally have legs? New closing high for the move yesterday by a nice margin. We're trading up nicely this morning. This is going to be an all positivity show today. With dear earnings, we're going to talk about a whole group of stocks that are actually up on the year. Good segment coming up at 835, folks. You don't want to miss that. The tech stock strategist, Sean Udall, will be on. And I have some tricks planned uh, for him and Dennis. So here we are on this Wednesday. Mitch, let's get then started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Let's get things started. Up six handles at 16 and a quarter. Posted a new closing high for the move yesterday. A little bit of consolidation. Continuation of the move higher. Uh, we have the buck lower by 20 cents at 106.91. Uh, TLT back over 100, holding steady. Uh, big reversal in crude down 210, 78.85, hanging out in the 70 handle. Uh, gold down 340, uh, continues that quiet sell-off uh, after getting near 1800. That's 1736.40. Uh, silver in the green by a dime going the opposite way, 2115. Bitcoin quiet, hanging out just above 16K at 16,065. And Ethereum, that's up 550 at 1129. Uh, Triple D, uh, you do not have the day off tomorrow. You will be doing a pre-market prep show uh, by yourself. And I'm giving Money Mitch the day off, though. Huh. Ha ha. Yeah, not, <clears throat> not sure about that one. All I am <laughs> sure is still fighting this bloody cold for months here now. Seems um, like you're climbing out of that snow there, man. That snow well, has got you, man. When you're in two and a half feet of snow and it's November, everybody's sick. So we're sick of snow and we're just sick, period. So fun ties. But uh, no, I will be taking today or tomorrow off. because In my shirt? I just want to show my shirt. This is from the Turkey got? Trot. Turkey oh, Trot. Nice. 2000, Trot. 2014. What 2014. am I? Oh, you didn't just do it like today, like yesterday? No turkey uh, tomorrow, prop tomorrow, this year, man. They do it on Thanksgiving Day. Tomorrow. Yeah. Are um, you doing it tomorrow? I'm never doing your it early again. morning workout. I'm never doing it again. One no, of my where is it? Old uh I did the 5K. Yeah. One of my worst all-time athletic performances <laughs> in my entire life. I tried, I think I told, did I tell the story where I trained for it and I didn't have new shoes? Yeah, at least it's like go buy new shoes. Don't train in those shoes. So I went out, ran like a mile and a half, and I couldn't walk for like two days. These shoes were like five <laughs> years old. And then I tried to beat my niece, uh, who who's a lot younger than me. And so I went out, went out, tried to keep up with her, completely fell apart. Uh, ended up walking. I ended up overdressing because it was supposed to, I was like overheated. My my daughter thought my face was going to explode once I finished. And my sister, who's three years older than me, I don't know how it happened. She beat me. So uh, everybody uh, beat you, and you're an athlete. I, 
I, I'm Yo, not tell a runner. Tell the truth. You did a little shortcut. You cut through, you know. <laughs> no, and I think I told this story too. I mean, he would it, try it to find that edge, man. I would have cheated. I would have. <laughs> if I would have known my sister was going to beat me, I would have called an Uber. <laughs> I, but the the thing, and I think I said this before, the like the worst thing too is like people watching the parade, and this is early in the morning, are like drinking and smoking pot, and you're running by them, and you're like, that, that would have been me, Joel. That, yeah, absolutely <laughs> dying. But people that want to hear about that, let's talk. Let's go right to deer. And let's talk about sure. stocks that are up on the year because, you know, we get all down in the press. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch, give us that deer report. Horn in that deer report. Let's get to it. You guys know I've been looking at these industrials. Let's talk about industrial deer Q4 EPS at $7.44, beating the $7.11 estimate sales at $15.54 billion, beat the 13 0.39 billion estimate. Deer sees full year 23 net income at 8 billion to 8.5 billion. It seems to me like, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about stocks going down. And I understand that because a lot of tech stocks are down massively. But one thing that this can teach us is looking for relative strength. Yeah. This stock is up on the year, right? Well, sometimes you need to understand there's going to be rotation, right? And Dennis has been talking about it for, it seems like, two months now about the, the rotation going into value. Yeah. It yeah. seems to oh, me man. like they have definitely have found some value in deer. It's low PE stock. I mean, what's the PE on deer, Mitch? It just fits the bill. What's the PE on that thing? It's like 12, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's still it's, wow. Let's grab and, it. And it also has kind of the fiscal policy kind of backing, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of money in the infrastructure bill. A lot of money that needs to get built up, right? 15. Yeah, 15 is what I have as the forward outlook there. doesn't seem bad to me. Industry average is around 13 also, just to kind of compare that. Again, if we go into recession, farmer, you know, a lot of people aren't going to buy new equipment here. So that's obviously what you got to think about. But right now, the market isn't worried about that. They're looking at low PE stocks. Those are the ones that continue to perform. You got a low PE. You got a PE in low teens. You got a PE in the single digits. You're hot. You got a PE at 50, 60, 70. You're not. It's simple Simon Market, and that's what's working. Deer working here too, Joel. But I'm not buying any stocks at all-time highs. I'll tell you that much. Go marry wow. in the turkey trot. Go marry. Yeah, go marry. Take it out easy, Mary. That's what I have to say. Well, uh, Dennis, I know, I know you're not feeling well, but uh, if you would have got up at 4 a.m. this morning, Okay. No, it wasn't 4 a.m. No, no, no. It actually this this happened in uh, the uh, seven o'clock hour. Um, it made a new all time high. It traded wow. to four forty nine point seven four. Now, if Dennis would have been up, it wouldn't have traded over four forty four point seven six because that was the all time high from April. So, holy mackerel! I'm pretty comfortable in saying that there. No prediction, yeah. nothing guaranteed. But man, you're gonna have to pick an intermediate level between now and 450 if you want to get out uh, today on the, you know, where to buy this thing on the dip. Uh, you guys are better than that. Pull up your one minute charts or whatever and try and buy it on the dip. But just an incredible move. Lack of liquidity. They take it up there, uh, bring it back down. So still up 1344. That's over three percent. And uh, just you know, we we're gonna start this out. Um, deer ended, uh, last year mm-hmm. at, 
uh, 376.40. Uh, you know that we had the dip under 300, but, you know, here's a stock higher for uh, for 2022. There's just a ton of stocks higher for 2022. I mean, this list is not going to be a small list. This is going to be a bigger list than you think. Every energy stock is significantly on this list. Some of them have doubled. I mean, you got the tale of two markets, really, in 2022. It was sell all of the growth and the high PE stuff, which we've been talking about. And some of this lower PE stuff, you know, they've been buying. I mean, we've talked about the drug stocks. Gilead up significantly on the year. Merck is sitting at all, well, is, I think Merck is approaching all-time highs. They're going back 20 years now ago. It, 20 years, you got to go back to 2000 because they hit it like 105 in like 2000. Oh, it did? So here we are 22 okay. years later. We are finally... Finally getting, yeah, I can remember it back at 105. So I, I'm pretty sure you're actually now finally breaking out to new all-time highs in Merck. Um, I don't know on your system, uh, Mitch, if it goes back that far. <laughs> yeah, what do you need to look into? What? Yeah, let's year? go I can do. I can go 20 years. You here. go 20 I, years. I, I, 20 years isn't enough because it brings you past the tech bubble now. You don't see the run-up in, in previous to well, that. You yeah, said Merck 05. Is, you said 05. 105, I think it was. No, no, in 105. What, I'm saying the price what was year 105. In what year? 2000. Oh, yeah. Like yeah March yeah, of 2000. Right. That's when everything topped out was March of 2000. So for those, obviously, who want the history lesson. March of 2000 was the top in everything. It was your um, equivalent to that, you know, February 2021 when everything topped out here. So, and, and you know, obviously today. So going back was March of 2000. That's when the bubble, the prick started. And it wasn't just a collapse. It was the slow leak for two years. So you had some collapses. Don't kid yourself. But yeah, Mitch, if you can go back to March of two. That's okay, so top, I'm wrong. Yeah. It was nine. It was only yeah, 89 or 90. Yeah, yeah okay. it only got up to, and it topped out, it okay. seems like, on in November of 2000. November so the high, 87.25. And you know why that was? Because the tech bubble burst in March, and then they started rotating into value names. So they started to do the same type of thing that they're doing now. So, and then they just started hitting everything, obviously. You know, the markets got ugly and hit everything. So, okay, so we are significantly back. I mean, it took 20 years for it to get back to 85, 90. And now you're breaking out. But, I mean, taking us back to the original conversation, there's a pile of stocks making mm -hmm. new highs. There's a pile of stocks yeah. that, you know, are up on the year. They're all similar featured. And that's low PE. Yep. So, I mean, we're going to continue to talk about this trade because it continues to work. So, I don't know when it changes. It might change. It's going to have pockets of change. Because, you know, nothing goes straight down. Like, you know, Carvana didn't go straight down from 300 to 6. It had a lot of little violent rallies in there, too. You know, 100 up to 150. And it's like, oh, it's back. You know, it's a 50% rally right there. Yeah, the rally recently from 20 up to 58. That's a 250% rally I had there in the summer. There's been violent little rallies in Carvana. So it didn't just go straight from 300 to 6. But stocks go from 300 to 6. Even today, it's having a little violent rally often continue their merry road to, you know, single digits, not single digits to like pennies. So yeah. I, I don't know going back what other stocks, I mean, I know. Let's banks, do it. Let's, let's try drugs. and find. Yeah. You got stocks like deer. I do don't we have about... any high P stocks that are up on the year? That'd be an uh... interesting question too. Uh, you can look into some technology names, I'm sure. Yeah, there was some. Um, ENPH. Man, was... ENPH. Solar. Oh, solar. Uh, solar. First oh, solar. Yeah. Solar has held up well. First solar is lower PE. It was lower PE at one time. Array so, technology. Can you show this list? 
Yeah, I, I can, but it's yeah, it, a, it might confuse you guys a little small. bit. There's a lot there's a lot on this chart, so you would have to make it. I'm going to try to make it as big as possible here for you sure. guys. And so here's solar, and I work backwards a lot of the times. I'm going from technology into solar and what then platform putting it by the again, year. Mitch? This is TC2000. TC 2000. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I like looking at this. can show us all the kind of returns for all the way going back year to year until 2008. So that's why I like looking at this. First solar, you can see in 2020, it was up about 76.77%. Uh, year over uh, date to right now, it's 93%. So, I mean, there are some stocks making still moves up and phase up 75, right? And look at the last three years. This has been an absolute monster stock to have. Remember when Enphase was down at like 50, it's $321 right now. Short team. report. Yeah, I remember that. There was a short report on it. Yeah, there was a short report. We got to find who that short report was because I want to invite him onto my show. Have some oh, fun man. It was. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is this is right through TC two thousand. This isn't anything special. This is in their sector by year tab. Okay. So as soon as you open it up, you can look at the bottom guys, and there's going to be sector by year tab. Yeah. And then what? Only thing I did difference is I added the stocks here to the right hand side. They usually only have sector and industry on there, so I added the stocks. Oh okay, so you like have the, the solar work. stocks. We know how to pretty good year. Yep. Yep. Can look at some what other else? areas. What Let's... else you got there? Beverages. Yeah, right. consumer staples have held up well because the defensive nature. Of Let's them, look at know. defensives, okay? Let's. But look if you right look here. at XLP, it's like just there. It's kind I of. I got flat you right here. here. Uh, so food Let's distribution, confectioners, farming products, beverages have been up. Tobacco, and then the ones that are like just slightly up are brewers and packaged food. Really, food distribution has been probably the best area year over year. This is not an area that we watch often, and I think that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. Um, but if you guys, but let's can see think here, about why, and it, and, and it's it's a, it will jump out and bite you. Yeah. Why food distribution? Because you can pass that inflation pricing power, pricing exactly. power. Yep. Coke's so things got like uh, the Chef Warehouse, uh, but a bigger name, SYY here. Um, They're totally passing too bad. They're passing and them right through. Look at this move right now, SYY, right? This yeah. is not a bad stock to take a look at. You can put the chart up, Joel. We can take a look at that chart. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Um, it's consolidating. It's been strong. I mean, I don't know when this rotation ends. It's been a hell of a run in a month. You know, it's hard to buy a food stock that's up basically 20% in the better part of a month. But it's consolidating. It looks like it wants to go higher. The relative strength is in your favor. And they have pricing power. I mean, all these companies, all these restaurants, all these, you know, they're distributing food. So people still got to eat no matter what. Recession, pricing power. Inflation, pricing power. Fed doesn't pivot. We still have pricing power. That's one that you know, I've been the looking Fed at. pivots, that's where these things probably – these you know, Just real quickly, off, pair, but... pair of monthly highs in this one. Uh, this is called 87.35. Haven't hit that yet this month. August, it hit 87.29. October, 87.41. So if you're looking for another upside target, not really sure where to buy this one, though. What about the Hershey company, man? No one's talking about the Hershey's anymore. Racing power as well. The kids are still going to eat their chocolate. The kid isn't going <laughs> to eat less chocolate just because all of a sudden, oh, hey. But look know, at that monthly chart, though. Look how no clean one, no, that no, is. No, no, no Halloween candy for you. No, that's not the case. They probably hit the Halloween candy harder. But uh, pricing power. Again, pricing power. 
And then uh, I'll go towards here, a stock that uh, we could definitely thought about ADM, Archer Daniel Midland. Uh, really good chart now. It's really kind of pushing out, looking for the push towards 100 on that one. Um, and now we're going to farming products that yeah. is up about 7.7%. Yep. Uh, I have the all-time high in ADM, 98.88. That's within striking distance. Uh, we yeah. hit that in April. Uh, General Mills, uh, same right there, new all-time high. Uh, Kellogg's mm-hmm. has had a had a rocky, you know, up and down year restructuring, but that's showing a nice uh, nice percentage gain on the year. Everyone is still drinking their Pepsi. Uh, yep. Pepsi, 12.3%. Yep, Coca-Cola, a little bit slower of a mover, but how's that? That's having a decent year. Uh, let, let's keep the the parade going here. What what um if we did? Here's one so that I I don't think I would have thought about. Hostess brands, TWNK, Hostess. Now that's the stuff, right? Florida, Florida. We've been talking about <laughs> these stocks the whole year. This is not hindsight talk. We've been talking about these stocks for a lot longer. Yeah, than not two the whole months. year, but for two months, we've been talking yeah. about this trade. Oh, I mean, we we've, we've given you, the listeners this trade. So I don't know if it's like I can't just come in here now though. Like, and it's it is a good point he's making. Like, is now the time to come into all these stocks? No, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I think the time was a couple of months ago. I'd wait for pullbacks on these, but these are the kind of stocks you want on your shopping list still. But you this know, is when I don't think we're just all of a sudden V bottoming and all Carvana and it's going to be back at 30, 40, 50, 60 dollars and all ARKK and Bitcoin's going to a million like Kathy said. I don't think that's happening tomorrow. So we were we were getting a pullback opportunity when some of the growth names started getting a spike. Remember when we even got that GME day and and it seemed like the dash for trash that was going was on. The that was your opportunity. That yeah, that was stocks. your opportunity for value really, names. We we, we had an opportunity. Yep. We had a pullback. We did. You know, you got to wait. You, you wanted to get stuck one. in growth names. Well, that was up to you. You know what I mean? And. There's going to be another chance, though, on these names. There's mm-hmm. always another chance in this market. You don't yeah. have to chase stuff. They always seem to give you another chance. So I think that's a good point you're making there, is that we just had a buying opportunity like seven days ago in all of these stocks. Bristol-Myers went from 81 down to 75, was back up at 79. These are the kind of stocks you, that are have underneath demand because mm-hmm. there's no bag holders. Just as much as you have the overhead supply and all the growth Kathy type names, the bag holders sell on any rallies. The people who want to be in these stocks buy on any dips. So you got to have this list ready. So what we're doing is really compiling a list of value stocks and stocks that are performing so that if we get a pullback in the overall market, and it might happen, and it probably will happen at some point in time, these are the kind of stocks you want to rotate into because I think this value trade could last for years. I don't think this is just a one-month, two-month phenomenon. As long as the Fed interest rates stay relatively high, value stocks are going to continue mm-hmm. to be in favor. Yeah, and as earnings contract, right, people will be even looking for more and more value, right? As they'll be looking for more cash flow, especially as everyone's been saying. And even uh, Goldman Sachs yesterday said expecting zero earnings growth in 2023 and a flat year for stocks. 
well, it's going to be a flat year for stocks. I think then I'll be looking for some defensive names, right? Some value names. Let's go towards the next earning stock today. Let's go towards Nordstrom here. Q3 adjusted EPS at 20 cents, beat the 14 cent estimate. Sales at 3.5 billion, beating the 3.48 billion estimate. They see full year 23 adjusted EBITDA margins at 4.3 to 4.7%, but did say that they saw decelerated uh, sales in late October and early November, especially in areas that have unseasonably warm weather. So keep watch on that. Nordstrom seeming like they gave us a little bit of insight that they saw some struggling going into Q4. These retailers, Joel, they're so unpredictable. I mean, we're only going rally yesterday on the bad earnings, and then you get Nordstrom, it's selling off. I mean, they're all over the place. Macy's blows it away, kind of, you know, stock rally, rally, rally. Kohl's was wishy-washy, but then they turned around and bought the stock anyways. And then Nordstrom, it's down. One thing I will say is Nordstrom PE is lower. I mean, where is yeah, the PE on? And this is basic CFA, level one, you know, basic stuff here. But it's not an expensive stock. So do they buy these stocks on pullbacks? They have been. Just like as much as they bought Kohl's on the pullback, do they come in and buy Nordstrom on this pullback? I think so. Do I want to jump in on the first day? I don't know. But $20 seems like a logical level to me. So I would not be selling into the weakness here. I'd be more inclined to buy into the strength. Although I'm not sure Nordstrom's the one I want. There might be better candidates out there. But Higher $20, end, bucks, yeah. I think you got some support in here. Uh, the the pre-market, they didn't get it to 20 here um, in pre-market trading. It looks like you have someone who wants to bring stock in above 20 and 2030. Um, I don't have any daily lows there. This 50% retracement is not exact, but if you feel like, you know, that this was a, a real good rally and you missed it, maybe it gives back half of this move. Maybe it's closer to 1975, uh, 20, and, uh, you know, lean on that area. I will. I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to get under 19 today, but uh, I think that's where the big boy stepped up last time was uh, 1850 to 19. Uh, coming back on the upside, could we fill the gap from yesterday? Why the heck not? Only need to reach 2182. Uh, that was yesterday's low in North. I mean, look at this. You almost filled the gap, too. I don't know if that was from last earnings or what, but you got real close to filling that gap at 23 yesterday. Just because we're talking about like holiday trades, one area that I have been seeing making a run is Ulta. Ulta has been making a run there. So if you want to think about what type of stocks could make like a Santa Claus rally run, well, I definitely think Ulta could fall in that category. And look how it's been moving since early November. Not a bad looking stock. Monthly charts looking like they want to keep pushing. We'll see what happens there. And retailers, historically stronger Friday too. Obviously Black Friday. We know this is a strong day for retailers. You do see strength sometimes into Black Friday in retailers. I'd be very skeptical of shorting any retailers right now ahead of Black Friday because they typically do run up into it. Maybe we're already seeing that to a certain extent. I mean, Macy's, heck of a day yesterday. Obviously, they just reported, but Kohl's, you know, reporting and uh, a couple days earlier and moving up here. So just be careful of shorting any retail names into Black Friday. All right, let's go to the next stock here. Let's go to HP. 
As they're cutting out uh, that they're doing some job cuts, definitely talked about today, uh, laying off between 4,000 to 6,000 employees over the next three years as demand for personal computers weakens. Q4 EPS at 85 cents down from 94 cents year over year. Sales at 14.8 down from 16.68 billion year over year. Um, and doesn't look good right now, I think, in the, in the long run, at least for personal computer demand. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if that turns around. One thing to consider, though, HPQ and Dell both have lower PEs. So mm -hmm. we did see Dell come out with not that great of numbers. They turned around and bought it. So HPQ, there was down last night. Now they're doing the cost-cutting measures. That's what they like. We saw that with Meta. That's, you know, yep. started a three-day rally here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with HPQ, even though it was a softer quarter, because they're announcing those cost-cutting measures. And I don't think it's coincidental, too. When the headline numbers hit, they hit the stock, because um, I was trading last night. When they announced the cost-cutting, which came a couple minutes yeah, later, wow. the stock see turned that. around. Yeah, they, they, they immediately started buying once, you know, they, they dug in. And, and then CNBC was mentioning the headcount, you know, and, and, and cutting costs, obviously, and cutting um, same thing that Meta just did. So I think the market is liking that right now. It's the market that we're in right now. They want to see cost come down because revenues aren't going up as much. I know it's indicative of a recession, but they don't care. They just want to see cutting costs. Yeah. They want to see people losing their jobs that the market is cheering for right now. It's sad, but true. So yeah. I do think HPQ could pull a dowel here. So just be careful fading this. Definitely be careful there with HPQ. Any yeah, levels to watch, Joel? Yeah, I mean, it, 3027 uh, was a recent high. Now, you did take that out in the pre-market. So I'd keep an eye on that, 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 you know, if you're looking for big follow-through, even if you get through that 3027, you might run into some paper at 3050. Uh, the other thing, too, and, uh, and Paul is uh, mentioning this, uh, and I remember when he bought it, when Warren bought this thing up here, he did. It was a battle between uh, Warren and like Morgan Stanley, uh, and uh, he Warren bought this one high. He bought this up in the forties, or not the forties, but like there's thirty eight to I mean even lower. I mean I'd say thirty five to forty zone. So who knows if he's going to come back in and buy more on it? But uh, this is one where I, I can remember he was a little bit early uh, on the downside, or you know just looking at this thing for the trade for today. I think I'd be more inclined, you know, instead of trying to pick it up of it if it came back into this twenty nine fifty area. Uh, you had four three, four highs in that area. I'd rather try and buy it on a little pullback at 29.50 for HPQ. All right. Well, team, I got something for you guys. Let's go ahead. Let's get into getting ready for these calendar releases. Uh, we're going to take a look here. There's a lot that's going to be coming out here. So I'm actually pulling up the Benzinga Pro here uh, to take a look at some of these estimates and kind of talk about what's coming through here. A lot's going to be hitting at 8.30. You guys can also follow along with this calendar. If you guys don't have access to a great calendar, we'll check out Benzinga Pro today. We have a great special for you guys. Going to go ahead and throw up the link here in the chat. You guys can check it out. We got 45% off the monthlies and 60% off the yearly price. So check that out and see how Benzinga Pro can help you make smarter trading decisions. Let's go towards the economic calendar here. You guys are seeing new home sales 
right, is an important one to take a look at today. That's going to be at 10 a.m. I saw earlier today at the 7 a.m. Uh, mortgages released. That didn't look too bad there in the housing markets. But we got a lot coming out right now at 8.30. We got uh, core durable goods. Going to be very important. Initial jobless claims. Our expected estimate at 225,000 prior at 222,000. So initial jobless claims expected to bump up a little bit. Let's see if we can actually get that even higher than 225,000. Um, that would be a good thing, I feel, for the markets. Of course, a hot initial jobless claims would show that jobless claims are rising. And of course, that could help with the outlook with the Fed interest rates and slowing down the interest rate speed. There's still a lot more on the tape too. At 9.45, there's PMI, right? Wow. Um, there's so much. And then 8.30, there's even more numbers that we can go through, continuous jobless claims. Uh, there's going to be a lot to give here, so I'm not going to be able to give every single number here, but I do want to give you guys the insight. And if you guys want to follow along with all this, of course, just – Click the link, sign up for Benzinga Pro, and you guys can watch all this as it hits the tape. All right. Uh, we've been leaking a little bit into the yeah. number. Uh, we hit 2175. Really nothing relevant up there for you. Uh, we are down a stick here at 09 and a quarter. Uh, pre market low, 4006. I think if we take out the pre market low, um, that 4,000 psychological, not much there. I think I'd be a little bit looking for a little bit uh, deeper of a dip. If they do decide to hit it, maybe 39.90 if trying to buy the dip. And uh, just the way we reacted, the way we sold off a little bit, maybe they're going to protect that pre-market high today at uh, 4021.75. You can see uh, <laughs> what's going on here on the one-minute chart. And, uh we're coming up momentarily, Mitch. I'll just uh, um, well, here we go. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going to be coming through here. So okay, all right. The algo jumpers are out there. It's a battle at ten and a quarter. Uh, that's been the the closing high for the move. So that's something that we want to keep. Really would like to keep a sustained bid above that going into the regular session. To see if we can get up and test the high of the move. The high of the move. Initial was jobless claims coming in at two hundred and forty thousand versus two hundred and twenty five thousand. Over that, that's a good news for the markets. I think that could push us up a little bit. Durable goods coming in at 0.5% versus the 0.1% there. Uh, continuous jobless claims at 1,551. Uh, that's 1.551 million and mm -hmm. versus 1.517 million. So it uh, doesn't seem too bad there on the continuous jobless claims and the initial jobless claims looking good at least for that upside outlook. We'll just have to wait and see how the markets are reacting. What are we seeing on the tape, Joel? Uh, I mean, we I'm still here because we really didn't move. <laughs> Welcome to holiday trade. <laughs> hey, we're almost back and unchanged. We got a little pop. I like 40, this 30. number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a big round. I mean, it, it's a good no I mean, it's a good number because it's a bad number. Uh, but still, it, it feels tight. You hit 40.13 there, so you didn't come anywhere near the pre-market high and nowhere near the pre-market low. So uh, the big numbers are, you know, this, the, you know, the CPI and 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 the PPI for now. I guess that's going to be our focus. Uh, but um, not not too, not a little bit of movement, still positive on the session. 
nothing there. Dennis, the stocks, they, they moved. Quiet. No, they, they didn't move. No. Okay. There's not much movement here. I mean, this is holiday trade, and holiday trade can go two ways. I've traded, you know, like 22 Thanksgivings here now, or 23 professionally. Sometimes it's nothing burgers, and sometimes the liquidity is so low that you can see pockets of significant movement. Usually the overall market doesn't do that much, but you do sometimes see pockets where just because there's a lot of less participants out there, less institutional action, that stocks can actually move a little bit more if there's a buyer or a seller. We are oh, starting to here right now, though. Um, yeah. So that's interesting too. So, just as I start the conversation, nothing going on. We sell off five points <laughs> or four points, <laughs> and, then, and then we're right back. No, no, it's a battle. It's moves. it's a battle unchanged here at ten and a quarter. So, uh, Mitch, do we have um, do we have any uh, er, er, any more earnings stocks or analyst stocks to cover? If not, uh, you know, yeah, with sorry, the holiday. Getting lost in the German sauce. I uh, hope the Germany wins today. Watching a little bit of World Cup action. Why, Let's get. Why towards... you like Germany? Why you? you oh, why do you like? You see, most people don't know, but I actually have dual citizenship, and I have German citizenship. My uh, uh, grandfather was German, and so uh, there you guys see it. You guys know something that you guys might not know. I got German descent. I got German citizenship. Can always sneak out of here and go to Germany. There you go. If I need to. <laughs> okay. Deutschland. U.S. Go. U.S. tied, right? U.S. Yeah, tied. Yeah, U.S. Right? is struggling, Where? man. They're struggling. How's, Germany. How's, Let's go. How, how's Canada doing? Uh, Do we even have a team? Uh, they're, they're they're still on the ice. <laughs> We're still on the ice. <laughs> Uh, we do one good stock, in, the, in the hockey sometimes. One one you, stock that uh, the chat's bringing up there that someone wanted to ask about was Lucid. Guess what? I'm almost to that ten dollars, Dennis. Almost where, there. Where is that thing? <laughs> I know I had the price uh, target of five. So when I was thirty, I said it was going to five. <laughs> so we're, we're not quite to my price target, but we're getting to Mitch's price target. So we're, we're almost there. Almost there. Do you guys? Yeah. Do you guys want a good, uh, a real quick uh, World Cup story? Yeah, yeah. Tell us what's up, Joel. What do you got? Okay, for so I, I believe it was '92, and uh, I was working at Oldie Discount, and they sent me out to San Francisco uh, because they had a post there, and they needed someone to work at the Picos at the uh, Pacific Coast Exchange. And, you know, I was a logical choice, so I, I went out there. Dana was about not very old. She's probably like four or five months old. So Lisa and I took Dana. We go out to San Francisco, and that's where the World Cup is, okay? And Brazil won it, okay? Guess who was staying in our hotel? The Brazilian who? soccer team, Okay. Right. You didn't give and, me some autographs, Joel? You don't and, got oh, me some man. Oh, Come and, and, on, so man. Dana was a baby, like a super baby. And, I, you know, she would get up in the middle of the night, you know, and Lisa would have to take her out on the streets of San Francisco. And she, so she woke up the night they won the World Cup. And I think it took her, you know, we were up on a way up high floor. Um, and she had the strollers. She had to wait for that, you know, the elevator. And then she had to take her through the lobby. And it was absolutely, absolutely cr crazy. And I don't know. That was oh, the OJ thing was after that, wasn't it? That was the, that was a different year, right? That the OJ thing wasn't ninety two. I think that was a little Joel, bit later. I, I was one years old, so I don't think I'm gonna remember. Okay, but anyways, that's my uh, 
that's my World Cup story. Uh, do we have our, our guests lurking in the background yet? Yes, yes. Uh, Joel and I determined that uh, we did not want to be a part of this battle. So we said, you know what? We got some guys that can battle here. It's not a battle. In a battle, I didn't. I didn't want to. It's sign not up a, battle, for a battle, bitch. Just joking. Bitch. Just joking. You see, getting you guys excited Tele- a little bit. Telephone, telegraph, tell Mitch. Come on, it's not a battle. Okay. All right, let's get our guy on here, Sean Udall. We always love his outlooks. Let's take a look at what he's taking a look at today. Um, let's bring him on here, and of course, got the boys now. Let's talk about this. What are we looking at today? What's John, up, Sean? can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Fine. Yeah, we on? can hear you. We can see. Uh, how you doing over there? Well, I can't wait for this year to end. Okay, so we're we're, we're going to do a little different segment here. Well, okay. I and I could say I can't wait until March, probably, but but let's start with first things first. I can't wait for this okay. year to end. So I I got four questions here. Okay, and I'm I'm going to start with you. By the I'm way, get... by the way, I do want to know what the battle was about because all I heard was OJ, and I believe no. OJ was 94, 94, which I believe okay. was the last time the Fed raised interest rates a lot. But unlike this time, that last Fed actually kind of right, knew, right, knew what Sean, they were you're, doing. You're getting, of, you're getting ahead of yourself. Okay. Sean, I'm going to give you one minute I thought here. Dennis I wish, might like that. <laughs> I, I wish I could brought my, my phone down here so I could time. Oh, I did bring my phone. Okay. Sean, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah. Um, this 3500 in the S&P is a long-term low, and we are set up for an eventual rally to new all-time highs. What is this? True or false? No, no, no. Just his comments. Comments for a minute, and then and then you get to get get to comment. Uh, God, that's a tough one. I mean, I I called the May June low very well. Yeah. Uh, I did think it would actually hold better. We it act, you know, some of the indices actually did go to lower lows than the May June low. Honestly, I don't know. Here, I gotta see. I'm I'm gonna hedge, and I'm gonna say. If we finally see a turn in the average stock, then the S&P low is locked and loaded and won't even be threatened. If we still continue to see deterioration in the average stock, then I'm going to say what I said mid-year, which was 100% right, when the S&P was only down, I think, 15% at the time. And I said the S&P makes zero cents here versus the average stock. Either the average stock is going to have a massive rally or the S&P is going to go down to about minus 20 to minus 25%. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to say the same thing right now. Either you see lots, like literally armies of stocks go up 20 to 50% or more, given the S&P is at 4,000, or the S&P is going to break going to break the prior lows. Dennis? Holy cow, that's a tough question. Um do I think the all do I think this low is going to be a multi-year low, this October low? Yes, yes. That's a tough one, Sean. I'm the same way. I I could see if you know we start to get a turnaround, if the Fed pivots, I could see how you know if we continue to get inflation data that comes in light, I could see that scenario playing out. But I could also see the scenario playing out where just imagine that the next inflation data is a little bit hot. They'd be like, "Oh my gosh, it was a one-off," and they'll hammer stocks. I mean, we're so dependent on the Fed here. That it's very hard to make that call. Do I wish I owned stocks from that 355 to 360 spy? Absolutely. Would I be buying certain stocks on pullbacks, value names? Absolutely. 
do I think that the, the low from October is a multi-year low that's going to hold for the foreseeable future? I'm sitting on the fence on that one, and I'm just going to say, okay. honestly, okay. I don't know. All right, I don't just, know. Sean, I'm going to go back to you, and this kind of this kind of you know goes along with it. But just from our conversation, I mean, you think that the Fed is totally out of control here? Um, they have no model for the way they've taken interest rates up, and uh, because of their their reckless abandon here. Uh, they better do like a. We've whipped inflate. Inflation isn't even a problem here, and the Fed better pivot and pivot extremely soon. Well, I that's probably. I mean, the Fed should have probably stopped at three fifty. I mean, that's just that. Like, but they were going to overshoot. The Fed always overdoes it a little bit. You know, historical Feds, which were better, still overshot. Right? They they always they they always do the the this thing they're doing for too long. You know, and again, you, it's not so much that the Fed raised rates way too much, which they have. They should have raised rates. You know, we should have already been at 1% probably by the end of Q1 2021, maybe mm -hmm. even 1% by the end of Q4 2020. So, but, the, you know, you can go back. We can hindsight the Fed. Here, Dennis, in the last time I was on, I'm not sure Joel was on. I think Dennis was on. Yeah. Basically, I don't know if I use this term then, but for whatever reason... The Fed is God and the, the nobody, even David Tepper, even like the, the who's who the, the new the new crop of Warren Buffett's, whoever they are. I guess David Tepper is probably the closest. They're they're afraid to buy stocks like I've never I've never seen managers running tens of billions of dollars literally be afraid to buy stocks until the Fed just anoints. OK, I will allow you. I will allow all of you to make money in stocks again. I mean, I've, I literally have never seen a trade like this. This is this this is a black swan market. So Dennis is right. It's like uh, be, because even so, the Fed. Let, let me just say this. So they re, they put the time in the whole Fed. Everybody in in inputs their their stuff into what's called the Fed the official Fed release, right? So the official Fed release before Powell speaks was very clear, and it was very it was very balanced, and it was like. We've done a lot. There's, you know, you, you basically can put a framework around it and say they're starting to get some religion and they know they've actually, they probably have overdone it, but they don't want to admit it. And then the Powell comes out and some, some guy says, oh, hey, look at stocks are up and bought. And he was actually wrong. His like quotes were delayed 20 minutes. But Powell had this huge negative reaction when he found out stocks were up, right? And and, and hey, you get you get a hard three day rally and Fed governors come out and basically attack the stock market. And then they come out and they say, oh, well, we're not targeting the stock market. I mean, they obviously are. So, I mean, this is this is just a really, really weird, disturbing thing that the Fed All right, is Dennis, Dennis uh, no, well, last agree. comment. And oh, by the way, as of last November, the Fed can't own stocks anymore. Like, I can't believe that doesn't get in the news. So it's like, what do they just want to jam rates up high enough? Since they can't own stocks, they got to get good yields on their rates. I mean, this, okay. this right, is Sean, looking pretty bad. Okay. Ask re ask the question, Joel. Uh, the Fed is out of control. They have they have no model here for what they're doing, and they're dry, They're going to eventually, unless they pivot really soon, inflation's dead, and uh, they're going to push this company into a deep, deep recession. Um. I think the Fed has done enough that if they just stayed and held interest rates up where they are, 
for the foreseeable future, it will eventually push us into recession because we know we've looked at the track of where the money has gone. You know, obviously, people had a lot of savings. They started to use those up. We know credit card debt has soared in the last few months. And we just haven't had enough time for the Fed's plan to really work. So I think the Fed has gone far enough that as long as they just keep interest rates where they are, eventually prices will start to come in. But the Fed's not going to do that. They're going to continue to go till we see that. So I, I'm kind of in the camp that, yeah, maybe they are going too far and they probably should just sit back now and let their plan work. Patience, probably a virtue here for the Fed. I don't think they do that, though. I think they're going to keep their foot on the pedal until they actually see. We know the data lags significantly. So we've talked about that with Blue, obviously. So it's going to take time for us to actually see the Fed's plan working. But it's just common sense. If you keep interest rates elevated for, for, for long enough, eventually people are going to have less cash and eventually people are going to spend less. And that's going right, to Dennis. eventually bring prices Okay. Down. I'm going to go back to you on this one. Uh, you know, in view of the uh, recent rotation here uh, from growth to value, um, it's here to stay. And uh, value stocks, you know, we had a 10-year uh, period where, you know, growth outperformed and your high-flying tech stocks. And now there's a, a shift to value stocks. I'm sure this is going to get tied into the Fed as well, too. Uh, but is this just this, uh, you know, maybe two, three, six-month, one-year phenomena here? Or are you looking for a, a multi-year cycle here with uh, value stocks over growth stocks? Dennis, that one was to you. And did, I froze. Did we lose Dennis? We oh. did. I think we might have lost Dennis there. <laughs> All right. This well, here I, I can I can answer question that. Question goes to Sean. Ho hopefully he comes back. So so definitely. He, here's Joel. I actually think you're right, but I, I'm gonna. I, I don't think it's gonna. So in other words, what is actually value now? Like is is a stock that's trading at two times net cash or two point five times net cash and two times forward sales when normalized valuation is like seven to 10 times sales. So something that's trading at a 50 to a 70% discount to normalized ratios. I mean, again, I'm not talking about expensive ratios. So I would say value stocks are probably going to lead like meta. Meta is like a deep value stock. Now um, Twilio is like a deep value stock. Now, not, not every software company is, but I mean, I, I'd say 50, 60, 70% of the com companies with 30 to 40% growth are probably much, much more value stocks than quote unquote traditional values now. So I think your, your question you're probably looking for is commodities. Are, do we have a multi-year commodity cycle, right? Which we did see in the 90s, you know, but, but if, if, if you're just talking, hey, value over growth, I do think it's value over growth because I think people that bought high growth you know, got burned and they're going to remember the pain of that for, for quite a while. Yeah, Dennis, so even you if cut they're out, buying tech, cut out for oh, a even, second there. even if they're buying tech, I think people are going to kind of look at Garpy tech, value tech, you know, stuff like that. And I think that will favor uh, over time. Yeah, people really got burned, obviously, in 2001, 2002 after the tech bubble burst and value outperformed for a number of years after that. So I do think the value trade will stay on for a while. The only way that changes is if the Fed fully pivots and then starts cutting rates. Then they will go full growth. So follow the Fed, and I think you know yep. what you want to buy. If the Fed is still going to be somewhat hawkish, somewhat you know tightening, somewhat you know still keeping rates high, not necessarily just a pivot, but they need to like start lowering rates for growth to start catching a bit again, a significant like 
the long-term bet. Okay, Sean, uh, this one's to you. Um, really, there's nothing wrong with the markets except uh, we don't have the uptick rule. It's not the Fed. It's not earnings and everything. But really, it's 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 uh, stock raids on lower volume stocks. And the biggest problem with the market right now is that we don't have the uptick rule. Well, I think the uptick rule is the biggest problem with market structure. So I think I think it's the so the the single biggest factor this year. But but no, to paint to paint that as a brush. I mean, the Fed the Fed is obviously ninety percent right. okay. of the reason stocks are down, but. But is it is it ninety percent? St- I mean, you could just look at la- the, the historical periods of time. Even even crashes like the behavior of this crash is much different than many other crashes. But I think and this again, we, we've all talked about this. We we talked about liquidity. So the only thing that goes up is stocks that have liquidity. So the the first the first paradigm was oh companies with profits aren't down. Well, that was true for about six weeks. The companies with profits held on to valuations better, but they were also the companies that had the largest market cap. So then the next phase was, oh, then, oh, it's only expensive stocks going down and blah, blah. But really, if you if you dissect this market crash and you basically rank stuff by market cap and it doesn't have doesn't have a lot to do with profitability and other things like that. Again, you can find correlations, but the single biggest factor is the lower the market cap, the larger the decline. So. So it's basically a liquidity raid. So at this point now, we, I mean, the market was crashing when the Fed had only raised rates 75 point, basis points, by the way. So anytime the Fed takes, without the uptick rule, anytime the Fed takes liquidity, and we saw the same thing in like 14 and 16, et cetera. 18, 2000, late 2018 was a great example. So anytime the Fed takes any liquidity away, stocks just drop precipitously and there's really no rhyme or reason nothing really matters until the fed's done so then when the fed either accommodates or quits or pivots or whatever then all of a sudden the liquidity god is anointed again and all of a sudden stocks have liquidity and then everything goes up simultaneously so in other words stocks don't really trade the way they probably should trade in other words, a really good healthy market you know what it is is when stocks rise but they rise slower than their growth. So like all the years I made all the money in Apple and Google and things like that, those those stocks rose nicely, but they actually rose a lot less than the company. They rose much slower than the growth rates. And then sometimes you get a catch up trade and things. But anyway, no, the, the, the yeah, active rule okay. is the thing is was the secret sauce that regulated liquidity. And I'll end it by this and say, like, look, you get a really beaten up stock and nobody ha- and everybody hates it. But let's say it's selling at one point five times cash or something. In the old days, when we had an uptick rule, that stock would hold. Like if you wanted to just park a bunch of money in a stock in a four dollar stock that had three bucks a share in cash, you would that stock would would not keep going down. If, if in this market, if a stock like that is, is it, with the algos, that stock might trade to where it's only point point five times cash or something like that. So anything where they can suck liquidity out and drive prices lower and force bids lower, that's where you need an uptick rule. And again, there, there is an uptick rule, but the uptick rule we have now is almost worse than not having one. 
because it's a all right. Let's set out. Okay, goal. let's set out. Dennis, Dennis has studied market structure uh, for years. You guys probably don't know that, uh, yeah. but the CFA. And uh, have a lot of thoughts on market structure, uh, Dennis. Uh, I mean, me and you... Sean have had arguments. Me and Sean get along, and we get along on a lot of stuff. This is one topic, and I think <laughs> you intentionally threw that in there. We're obviously on the opposite coin that, you know, and Sean <laughs> knows. Sean already knows. You know, I've been, and, you know, I, I think uh, getting rid of the uptick rule was one of the best things that they did for market structure because it makes everything trade smoother. What the uptick rule does is it slows down price discovery. The problem is, in 2010, they brought back the alternative uptick rule. And it's way worse than the first one because you can't even hit a bid if it's an uptick. You can't hit a bid at all. So you can only short on the ask in the alternative uptick rule. The alternative uptick rule comes in when a stock falls 10%. If it falls 10% on the day, the alternative uptick rule comes into place for the remainder of that day and the next day. So you'll see instances where stocks have news come out and they don't trade down right away because there's nobody that can hit the bid except a natural short or a, nat- a natural long. So shorts, the algos can't come in and price it to where it needs to be. I've seen stocks trade up in the after hours sometimes for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and there's poor retail traders buying the offer and the offer is just loaded. Like, I mean, there's just so many sellers because they all want to get shorted. And you'll see a tick, a tick, a tick. It's just literally siphoning money away from retail traders because the price should have been down here in, immediately. So what the uptick rule does is just slows down price discovery. So nothing to do with liquidity. It's all short-term market mechanics, but it slows down price discovery. I absolutely think the uptick rule is stupid. Okay, so so let me so let me just interject a couple things. So sometimes slowing things down is actually really good. So because you can't really crash a stock up, but you can crash a stock down, right? But but let let's just go with this. So, and and hey, maybe maybe a problem like it's I, I hey I can I I've looked at this stuff for years too. Maybe a, maybe the problem is this alternative. So in other words, I can't judge the difference between now and having an uptick rule, with versus in other words, we have this alternative uptick rule. So if that was not in existence, maybe stuff would trade better. But I, I think I don't. I don't think Dennis would would argue with the fact that you know we, we had seventy seven years where you had an uptick rule, and markets just seemed to function a lot better. And that doesn't mean they went up more. We still had crashes. We still had economic cycles. It just seems like every time the the Fed takes any liquidity away, we basically have a stock crash. Like I like in other words, is price discovery good if it's false price discovery? You know what so I'd say words, I'll say well, let, let, the one thing about point. stocks going on the, the downside, I, I think they're just as reckless on the upside. Uh, way, I, yeah, look, I, 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 look, look what happened in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Great yeah, point. Yeah. Till yeah, but, but it but it got unwound. It you, it got unwound very fast. But do you know what naturally. caused Tilray to go from fifty to three hundred in basically a day? It was the lack of shorts. It was the lack of people. There was nobody willing. One, maybe couldn't get the borrow. But two, the natural market makers are saying, I'm not shorting that. I'm not touching that. And they just let it go. And there's like no offers. So then you have poor retail just, you know, buying at the market. And, you know, not that it's all retail traders, but there is some dumb money in retail. Yeah, just buying well, up and some dumb algos too, just buying up. But, but I'm glad you brought that up because when we had an, interestingly enough, when we had an uptick rule, seemed to be we didn't have nearly as many of these weird Tilray spikes. We didn't. 
I don't remember stocks doing that years ago. I don't remember nearly as many Tilrays and GMEs and meme stock runs when we had an uptick roll. I, I don't. I'm I'm having a hard time remembering those kind of crazy things. Well, but now we don't have an uptick rule. It, it was exact same as 2000 where we did have the uptick rule and you saw yeah. crazy moves back 2000. in 2000. Joel can remember those. I yeah. mean, trading in 2000 was very much like 2020. It was similar, you know, and obviously Tilray had his move in 2018, but we know there was a lot of crazy moves in 2020. Um, very similar to the year 2000 where there was an uptick rule. There was stocks going up 200, 300, 500% sometimes in a well, day. Well, let's, let's do this. So if you disagree with the uptick rule, I think you do agree liquidity is incredibly poor in lots of stocks, especially lower market cap stocks. For sure. So what should be done to correct liquidity? In other words, instead Nichols. of arguing about a rule, Nichols. okay, so Nichols. what should be done? You, Nichols. This is an awesome conversation, and I don't think the off-exchange market makers like where I'm going, but I mean, you've got to start allowing the liquidity. So what's happened in small caps is it's dominated by off-exchange market makers. It's dominated by the Citadels and the Virtues. They've basically just come in because you can offer, and you know this, Sean, in the small caps. You bid for a stock, it comes down, tries to trade at your price. You don't get filled because the That's off-exchange right. market on the maker limit order. Has, on the limit the, order. has the chance to just step in between your order. You know, you got some retail trader from TD Ameritrade trying to sell to you. Well, you don't get filled because they have that option to come and say, I'll buy it at that. So you have these juicy spreads, and they just sit there and trade between the spread all day, and you can't really get filled. So the institutional trader says, screw it. I'm not going to trade any of this stuff because I can't get filled. And if I if I do, my slippage is just enormous. So, I mean, so they just lay off all those stocks. So you've got to limit internalization. You've got to limit off exchange market making, and you will fix some of the problems in small caps. And that's what needs to be done to fix it. So it's not the uptick rule. It's actually the the, the fact that we allow market participants to pay for order flow to be able to transact directly against that order flow and then match the bid or the offer without posting any bidder offer of their own it's ridiculous it's the biggest scam in the market that's happening price improvement is the biggest scam that this market has maybe ever seen it's completely bogus dave lauer is completely correct completely correct so, so on so this. Would but you there's so much agreement? money that goes into keeping the status quo. I've Mitch been to, you know, I've met here. the SEC four times. We wrote two papers on this, you know, through the CFA Institute, showing this kind of stuff. So you're absolutely correct, Sean. The small caps are a mess, and it's because of off exchange market making. Okay, so would it? So one, I would, I would think getting rid of this crappy uptick rule would also be good. Um, so, so that would be a recommendation I would have. So the, the last thing is, why why are market makers allowed to un do unlimited naked shorting when nobody else can naked short stocks? And there's all sorts of violations about naked shorting limits. But if you're an algo market maker, you can naked short unlimited amounts of stocks. So like, see, that's another thing you couldn't do if you had an uptick rule. So the reason I advocate an uptick rule is because other things people get but away with. But they would have an exemption from that anyways. Well, so, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, why, why allow any naked shorting? Everything too. Why so. allow any naked shorting? Period. That would seem like. I'm that... with you. I'm with you on the naked shorting. I don't think the market makers should have that. I, like the reason they have that is because they need a they need a seller. If there's no seller, they need to allow somebody to sell the stocks. So the market maker come in and short it because they don't want you know the till rate to have was absolutely nobody willing to sell or nobody able to sell because they can't find a borrow. 
but I don't think, you know, I, I think it does you know, probably get abused to a certain extent in the market making world. Um, I, I still think it's off exchange tr- trading. That's probably more of the culprit for the last. All right. We got to, we got to end this uh, discussion here. Sean, thanks That's a great. lot. It was good. It was I, fun. I, it's I, always fun I really, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, um, you know, everyone, you know, we got a lot of people in the chat that are uh, welcome getting educated here. And then, you know, there's other people that are not. So you don't have to listen. Anyway, guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, Sean, thanks, thanks a lot. Sean. We'll check in with you. Eat a lot of turkey and uh, we'll, we'll get some stock picks from you uh, right, sometime you, in December. Uh, Money Mitch, uh, wake up, Money Mitch. And uh, we're going to get you. Uh, I'm just going to wrap things up here um, on this uh, Wednesday, Synthetic Thursday. Uh, we're down a couple and a half handles here at uh, 4,007.75. I don't know. I'm looking like a, a less than average range day. Uh, rather see it a little bit under uh, 4,000 if I'm buying the dip. And that pre-market high is being protected for now. So uh, everybody... Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll be back with you. We'll do at the, at the close today, and then uh, back with you with our regularly scheduled program on Friday morning. Thanks a lot, and talk to you guys later on. Man, I don't even need to say anything. Joel took care of it all. <laughs> Joel's out. You, you see Joel, how does, quickly... Joel does it all today. We're good. We're out. Out. We can go eat turkey. I, I, yeah, I don't need to say much. I mean, no, he said turkey. it all for me right there. Uh, definitely, Joel killed it there. Uh, glad to have Joel's internet working. So, uh, shout out That's to the nice. Comcast there. Uh, yeah. Looks like Rogers might have interrupted <laughs> Dennis. I think Rogers dead in the middle. I've been saying how Rogers is doing pretty good, and all of a sudden, bloop, bloop. It's like, bloop, bloop. oh, lost internet connection. I was like, here we go, Rogers. Thank you. All right. Well, definitely happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. You know, one of the things that I think we really try to do is what do we say on Thanksgiving, right? We we give gratitude, right? Thanks for all the things that we've done. So want to give a shout out. Thanks. Uh, Joel isn't here. He already dipped. I wanted to thank him, but thank Joel and Dennis for everything that they do for us here on pre-market prep and also teaching myself, right? I learn from these guys every single day. Is the reason why I'm here on pre-market prep because I was just like you guys in the chat, catching this every single morning, going through my routine, getting ready for the stock market. What am I looking at? Are they seeing similar things? That's what I'd be trying to look for. And like always, we can't make financial decisions for you guys, but definitely we try our best to bring education and uh, progress and how you guys can have a good process towards the market so that you guys can go ahead and keep building up your skills. So thank you, Dennis, for everything that you do. And thanks, Money Mitch. You're doing a great job hosting. Obviously, you know, we had a big loss with Spencer Israel, but Mitch has come in and rocked it, you know, and he keeps getting better and better and he's rocking these shows. So we thank you so much, Mitch, for uh, jumping in and, and, and keeping this show going. And obviously, you know, the research you do, helping with the chat. I mean, you don't know behind the scenes. Mitch is running the show. He's trying to watch the chat to make sure, obviously, everything's cool in the chat. He's, you know, managing the news. He's managing so much going on. So thanks, Money Mitch, for all that. And thank you, chat, because like I said, I don't just learn from Money Mitch. I don't just learn from Joel. I learn from the chat as well. You guys are great. You give us trading ideas. People ask, why do I do the show? It's not for the money. It's for the environment. I'm part of a community. They have great ideas. We have fantastic traders in this chat, and I learn from them as well. We're always learning. You never know it all. We're always learning from everyone. So thank you, chat, and thanks to uh, obviously everyone else as well. 
Thank you, Dennis. You have a great one. Enjoy your day and enjoy your long weekend. We'll see you on Friday at least. We'll get a little piece of you. So we'll see what happens. Enjoy that turkey. <laughs> you too. Thanks, man. All right. Let's go ahead. We'll be wrapping up right here on pre-market prep. And like I said earlier, guys, check out our Black Friday sale. We're having a great sale right now for Benzinga Pro. You guys can get up to 45% off off the monthly price and 60% off the yearly price. So definitely check that out. Of course, you guys can't go wrong when you're using Benzinga Pro. Introducing portfolio synchronization with your brokerage. Now you can securely connect your brokerage account to Benzinga Pro, opening a world of personalization. Screen lightning fast news just for the stocks you own. Set alerts for news catalysts that affect only the companies you care about. It's all possible with a simple click and a secure protective connection. Overcome uncertainty and connect your portfolio to Benzinga Pro today. Definitely, team. Check it out. Hit that link. Get your discount, of course, of Benzinga Pro. And now to get you over to some live trading action, we'll let you know we won't be having Benzinga Live and Stock Market Movers today. We will be doing some live trading action, of course. We can't let down that team at all. We're going to be ready to go ahead and get after it. Lord Ryan, Zunaid, and I ready to get towards that. And then at the end of the day, we still got at the close. Catch us with Joel Alconin as we go through the overall market. What's going on out there? And a last little bit, go Dutchland, Germany. We'll see what happens in the World Cup. Can the U.S. bounce back on Friday? We'll see if they're able to bounce back and definitely keep a watch on what's going on in the World Cup. The markets... And, of course, everything else. Fed minutes released today, 2 p.m. Don't miss that. Definitely going to maybe get some fireworks later in the day. We'll see what happens in this market. Hit the thumbs up on your way out.